Sefer Shoftim Perik Aleph. Vayhi Achrei Moshe Yoshua Vishalu Bnei Yisrael Vashem Lemor Mi Yaleh Lanu El Kanani V'Chila Lilachimbo. It was after Yoshua passes away. They asked Bnei Yisrael, they asked Hashem Lemor, who's going to go to war first against the Kanani? Sefer Shoftim opens with the word Vayhi. The Rokeach on the Esther explains the word Vayahi is used several times to kind of the Atriyah HaMesim of some sort. Here in Sefer Shoftim, after Yoshua leaves this world, it is the Zakanim who now rise to, the, rise to power for the leadership of Kayasal. The Sefer Shoftim takes place in the Tkufus of the of Zakanim. This is what we say in Pirkei Elbos, Aleph, Aleph, Moshe Kibel Torah Messinai, Umasari Yoshua, the Yeshua was the Canaan. Yeshua handed over the Torah to the group of the Canaan. The Gemara Baba Basra Yadalat Ahmed relates that Shmuel Hanavi wrote Sefer Shotim and Sefer Shmuel. However, he split them up into two different svarim as Sefer Shotim takes place in the Tkufa of the Canaan and Sefer Shmuel takes place in the Tkufa of the Nevi'im. Alternatively, the Das Sofer explains Vayahi can indicate sadness. This because it was the first time Yisrael, Yisrael had to ask Hashem from the Urim Vitumim, the breastplate of the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol War. During the leadership of Yoshua, Yoshua did not need to ask the Urim Vitumim. He got his message straight from Hashem. Therefore, the word Vayahi relates sadness because of the loss of Madrega in Klai Yisrael. Aleph, through Zion, through Pasuk Zion, Kaisal inquires of Hashem who should go to battle first to conquer the remaining nations that remain in Eretz Yisrael. Yehuda is chosen and asks his brother Shimon to assist him in battle. They go to war and defeat the Canaan and the Prezi in a place called Bezek. They capture Adoni Bezek and cut off his thumbs and big toes. Adoni Bezek confesses and acknowledges how this is Hashem punishing him, neither can they get neither, for the way he acted towards other kings, as it says in Pasuk Zion, but Yoma Adoni Bezik Shibim Malachim Bahonas Yadev Agleim Mikatsuhayu. Adoni Bezik says there were seventy kings where I cut off their toes, their big toes and their thumbs. Malakin Pacha Shochani and I collected them under my table. Kasher Sisi Kane Shilam Li Hashem, just like I did, Hashem is paying me back. Pasuk Ches through Pasuk Yud, the Bnei Yehuda go to war against Yerushalayim. Conquer and conquer it. They destroy the city by setting it ablaze. The Navi recaps several of the wars of Yehuda and lists them. Yud bays through Tesvav. Kalev makes an announcement. Right, whoever goes ahead and conquers Kiyot Sefer, I'm going to give them my daughter Aksa as a wife. Asmiel ben Kenaz, Kalev's younger brother. Conquers Kiryat Sefer and takes Aksa as a daughter. Aksa asks her new husband for permission to ask her father for better fields. Asmil Ben Kenaz consents. Request is made. Kalev does what his daughter Aksa asks for and fulfills the request. Pasuk Zion through Pasuk the Bnei Kini Chosin Moshe Alum here tomorrow. The Bnei Kini Kini was come from Yisro who was the father-in-law of Moshe, they went to Ir Tamarim in order to settle with Yehuda while Yehuda was at war to show that they were at peace with Yehuda. Yehuda continues to conquer Gaza, Ashkelon, and Ekron. The Navi continues and relates Hashem was with Yehuda and the, all the battles he was successful in. The Navi points out 
the Yoshve Emek, people of the valley had Rechev Barza iron chariots and were unable to be defeated due to their iron chariots. Pasukhov Aleph, the Bnei Binyamin were unable to drive out the Yavusi who remained in Yerushalayim. Pasukhov Beis and Chav Gimel, the Bnei Yosef went to Beis Kel. They searched for the city of Luz. They inquired as to where is the city of Luz. If there is something mysterious about the city, they were unable to find. And Pasukhov Dawid, they ask someone, they see someone leaving. They say, can you show us where the entrance to this city is? And we'll do for you a chesed. And they, the entrance to the city was revealed to them. They go into the city, they wipe out the city by, so, by sword, and they call it Luz. Through Lamedvav, which is the end of the parak, the Nabi relates all the Shvatim who are unable to drive out the foreign nations from the land. The Shvatim listed are Menashe, Ephraim, Zulan, Asher, Naftali, Lidan. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Beis, and in this Perik explains the cycle and the process that happens throughout the entire Sefer Shoftim. And Pasuk Aleph, Bayal Malach Hashem mina Gilgal El Habochim. A Malach Hashem came from Gilgal and went to the place of Bochim. Rashi and the Matsudas David point out that Pinchas, this Malach Hashem, was Pinchas. The Navi Pinchas relates the word of Hashem. I, Hashem, have taken you out of Mitzrayim and made a treaty with you forever. By Omer, lo, Aether, as brisi, Olam. I will never get rid of my bris, my covenant with you. I have kept my side of the deal. However, you, Kla Yisrael, have failed in driving out the nations from the land of Eretz Yisrael. You have not kept your side of the deal. And Pasuk Dalet and Hey, by Yikidabar Malach Hashem, as Hadvarim Ha'ela, El Kobane Yisrael, as Pinchas, the Malach Hashem, was saying these words of rebuke, the Kla Yisrael, the Yasoram is Kola Vayivchu. They raised their voices and they started to cry and do tshuva. They also brought korbanos for Hashem. And Pasuk Vav, through Pasuk Yud, the Navi continues relating that Yeshua had instructed Kla Yisrael to conquer the land they had inherited of Eretz Yisrael and have failed to follow through and do so. Yeshua had left the world at 110 years old and was buried in Betimnas Cheres, Behar Ephraim. In Pasuk Yud, And another generation came up, and they didn't know Hashem. In Pasuk Yud, Kla Yisrael would leave Hashem, who took them out of Mitzrayim, and worship the Avodah Zorah of Baalim the Ashtoros. They would do a verus in the eyes of Hashem. And Pasuk Yedalad, and Hashem would show his anger and disappointment to Kal Yisrael. And Pasuk Tezayin, through Chof Zayin, so right after Hashem would show his anger to Kal Yisrael, Hashem would bring another Shofi in order to help Kal Yisrael and defeat their enemies. Hashem was with the Shofet all his days, and when the Shofet would die, Kla Yisrael would go back to doing their Vodazara ways, forgetting what had happened to them in the past. This cycle repeated itself over and over again 
throughout the entire Sefer Shoftim. And Pasuk Chavbez, why did Hashem do this? Leman Nasos Bam, Es Yisrael Hashem Rimheim, Es Haderech Hashem, Lechaz Bam, Kasher Shamru, Avoisam Imlo. Hashem did this in order to test them to see if they would guard the ways of Hashem and follow in Hashem's ways, or maybe they wouldn't. In Pasuk Chav Gimel, Hashem let the surrounding nations remain because Christ was not staying true to their part of the deal. And Hashem did not drive out the other nations and allow Yisrael to win, win as speedily as they would have liked. When learning Sefer Yashum, Sefer Shoftim, it's important to point out a very important call from Wabwobi. Wabwobi Zatzal explains that the Averus and sins of Yisrael that time, at that time were at a microscopic level and were very difficult to understand. This is what it says in Pasuk Yer Aleph, and many times throughout Sefer Shoftim, the Yasu B'nei Yisrael Es Hara Hashem. It was precisely and only in the eyes of the Ene Hashem, in the eyes of Hashem. And by other people, these Averos would be undetected by an outsider. I'd also like to point out, in Pasuk Beis, where, where the Pasuk says, Hashem says, Lo efer es briti olam. That even though we're going through this cycle of ups and downs, you read this in Elias, Hashem says, I'm never going to get rid of my bris with you forever. Hashem will never leave Kaiso on a national level and certainly on an individual level. Each one of us, even though we encounter difficulties, anxiety, stress, sadness, Hashem loves us and will never let us down ever. So when we have a Yerida, when things aren't going so well, we can remember Hashem loves us and try to make that Yerida in Aliyah a high point for us. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perikimu opens, Pasuk Aleph, the Eli Gaim Asher Niach Hashem, the Nasos Bemes Yisrael. It talks about the remaining nations that Hashem left there in the land of Eretz Yisrael in order to test Klai Yisrael. The Nabi relates Klai Yisrael started to intermarry and worship of Odazara. The new generation was unfamiliar with warfare, and the nations that were remained, as it says in Pasuke, were the Haknani, Hachiti, the Amor, the Aprizi, the Achivi, the Yavusi. In Pasuk Zion, through Pasuk Yeralif, it says in Pasuk Zion, the Yasu B'nei Yisrael Esarab Ene Hashem. Chrysal continued doing Ra in the eyes of Hashem. And they did the Avodah of Bailam and Asherah. Hashem get angry at Kal Yisrael. Hashem subjugated B'nei Yisrael under the ruler of Kusham Rishasayim, Melech Aram Naharayim, as it says. And he ruled over Kal Yisrael for eight years. Kal Yisrael poured out their hearts to Hashem. Hashem sent Asmiel ben Kenaz as a shofate. The Ruach Hashem was with Asmiel ben Kenaz, who was the younger brother of Khaled ben Yifuna. He defeated, he defeated Kusham Rishasayim, Melech Aram Arayim. The land was quiet for 40 years, and Asmiel ben Kenaz leaves this world. The Das Sofrim points out on Pusset Test and explains the nation, Kal had pushed Asmiel ben Kenaz to be the leader of Kal and the successor of Yoshua. But Asmiel declined due to his great Anivas and humility. And Pasuk Yud Beis through Pasuk Yud Dalit, but Yisifu B'nei Yisrael, Latsos, Harabe, Ene Hashem, Kaisal continued doing Ra in the eyes of Hashem, 
Yechazek es Eglon, Melech Moab al Yisrael. Eglon was the next king in order to subjugate Ka Yisrael. The Malvim and the Mitsudas, the Mitsudas point out on the spot, Eglon Melech Moab, by natural circumstances, was considered weak. Hashem empowered Eglon to oppress Ka Yisrael. Eglon gathered the two strong armies of Bnei Ammon and Amalek to go, to go against Am Yisrael and fight against them at war. The, king, the kings had defeated Ka Yisrael in Ir HaTamarim. Bnei Yisrael served Melech Eglon, Melech, Eglon Melech Moab for 18 years. In Pasuk Tezvav and Pasuk Tezayin, it says, the Yizaku Bnei Yisrael HaLashem, Ka Yisrael called out to Hashem, Vayakem Hashem Lahem Moshiach, as Ehud ben Geira ben Hayamini ish iter yad yamino. Hashem sent another shofet to save Kaiso, Ehud ben Geira, who was, a, who was weak in his right hand and utilized his left hand. The Ya'as Ehud Cherev, and Ehud made a sword, the Lushne Pios. And it had, it was a double-edged sword, Gomed Arka, it was an ama in its length, it was very short like a dagger. And he wore the sword under his clothing on his right leg, being that he was a lefty who would have to cross his waist in order to pull it out, and he wore it on his right leg. The, the Svarim explained the double-edged sword is Marames. It hints to the double-edged sword of Tzila. As we say, the Cherv Pithios Lassos Nekama. That it was the double-edged sword of Tzila that brings about the destruction of our enemies. The story of Ehud continues. Ehud first brings the king a gift with other Yidin. Ehud returns back to Gilgal. He leaves his apprentices behind in order that no harm should come about them. Then he returns to, he returns to Melech Eglon. He tells Eglon that he has a secret to tell him. Eglon sent out his royal guards from his presence. Eglon was sitting in his chamber on the roof. Now it was just Ehud and Eglon by themselves, as it says in Pasuk Chaf. Ehud says, Vayomer Ehud, Dover Lokim Lealecha. I have the word of God to tell you. And Eglon raises himself from his kise. Rashi points out, because Eglon stood up for Hashem's name, he was Zoycha to have Rus. The Matsudas David points out, Ehud's intent was to raise Eglon up physically to stick him with a dagger, thereby killing Eglon. Eglon was obese. In Pasuk Chav Aleph, through Pasuk Chav Vav, and says, Vayishlach Ehudis Yado Yad Smolo, Ehud stuck out his left hand, Vayikatesa Cherev, he took out his sword, Malyarecho Yuminu, that was wearing on his right side, so it was more inconspicuous, because lefties were uncommon, Vayitka Vibitno, and he stuck it in Eglon's stomach. Eglon was so obese, his actual fat covered over the dagger. Edward, Edward quickly escaped, locking the doors behind him. The royal guards had assumed that Eglon was in the bathroom and did not check on him. By the time the guards realized what had happened, it was too late. Ehud had escaped. The chauffeur was blown, and, and the Melech Eglon was killed. The chauffeur is blown on, on Pesach of Zion through Pesach Lamed. The chauffeur, when Ehud returns, the chauffeur is blown on Har Ephraim. Kaisal goes to war and destroys 10,000 people from Moab. There was peace in the land for 80 years. The last Pasuk in the Perik, Pasuk Lamed Aleph, explains the Perik, 
that there was another Shofet, Shamgar ben who saved Kaiso by destroying 600 Plishtim. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Dalet, the Novi starts to relate, but Yosifu Hara ve'enai Hashem ve'ehud meis. Kai Yisrael continues doing Ra in the eyes of Hashem, and Ehud passes away. Hashem delivers Kai Yisrael into the hands of Yavin, the king of Chatzor, whose general was Sisra. Yitzhaku v'nei Yisrael, and Kai Yisrael calls out to Hashem, because Sisra had 900 Rechev Barzel iron chariots and oppressed Kai Yisrael for 20 years. The Medrash Tachuma explained, Sisra became haughty with the rise of his army and constantly told Klai Yisrael, Hashem had left the Jewish people. As this battle will show us, Hashem is always with Klai Yisrael and never leaves. Pasadawid, Vidvora, Isha, Nevia, Eshus, Lapido, Shafes, Yisrael, Be'esahi. And Devora, the prophetess, and Eshus, Lapidos, a fiery woman, Shafes, Yisrael, she judged Klai Yisrael at that time. The Radak explains the Lashon Lapidos. This word Lapidos means she made wicks for the Mishkan. And so this David explains she was reasons to do mitzvahs with diligence and alacrity. Lapidos meaning fire. In addition, she served Hashem with a great passion and fire for Hashem. The Seder Olam explains that Devorah's fiery service of Hashem and her slavis, her great desire, aroused Klai Yisrael and others around her to do tshuva. In Pasuk Hay, Behi Yosheves Tachos Tomer Devorah, and she sat under the date tree. The Mavorshim explained we see the great sneers of Devorah. She sat under the tree in an open space, not to be secluded and come to Yichud with a man. Devorah would sit there judging all the cases that came to her. The Ramipano explains, Devorah was actually a Gilgal of Tamar who sat at the crossroads and was mistaken as a Zona. Devorah sitting under the tree was a Tika and a rectification for that. That's why here Tamar is, ex- is, Tomer is explained, is spelled lacking avav, chasrvav, spelling at the word Tamar, indicating that Devorah was a Tikan for the Chet of Tamar. And Pasuk Vav, through Pasuk and Pasuk Zion, Devorah sends for her husband Barak ben Avinoam. Devorah tells her husband Barak, Hashem commanded you to go to war against Sisra, the general of Yavin's army. And Pasuk Ches, Barak tells her, if you come with me, then I'll go to war. But if you don't come with me, then I will not go to war. Devorah responds to Barak by saying, yes, I will come with you, but you should know your victory will be disgraceful, for, you will be, for your enemy will be defeated by a woman. Barak mustered up 10,000 men from Zulun and Aphali, like Devorah requested. It was told to Sisra that Barak ben Abinoam has gathered an army in Hartavor. Sisra gathers 900 chariots. In Pasad Yudalid, Batomer Devorah el Barak, Devorah tells Barak, Kum, get up. This is the day where Hashem is going to deliver Sisra into your hand. And Barak comes down like a lightning bolt. Barak means lightning. And had 10,000 men behind him. I like to point out Kum. She said, get up. In order for us to fight our battles, we need to first strengthen ourselves and get up. 
Barak is winning the war and defeats Sisera's army. And Pasuk Yud Zion, Sisera Nos Baroglov El Ohel Yahel Eishes Chevrakeni. Sisera starts getting off his chariot and flees by foot into the tent of Yahel, whose husband was Chever, who came from Kani, who was ultimately comes from Yisro. Kishalom Ben Yavin Melechasor Ben Beis Chever Hakani because there was a peace treaty between Melechotzor and the house of Chevra Akeni. Yao comes out to greet Sisera and tells him to come inside her tent and take refuge. Yao covers Sisera with a blanket to hide him. Sisera asks for water and food because he was worn out from battle. And Pasuk Yotesh, the Tiftach is nod hachola v'tashkehu v'tachsehu. She opens up her flax of, of milk and gives him food and feeds him and covers him. Sisera orders Yael to stand by the door to tell anyone who asks and, requ- and wants to know if anyone's there to say nobody's home. And Pasuk Ches, through Pasuk Ches, which is the end of the parak, the Pasuk explains that Tikach Yael Eishas Chever Es Ohel Yael takes the tent peg from the tent, and she takes a hammer in her hand, while Sisera is sleeping, the Tavo Elav Bela'at, and she comes stealth, quietly and slowly, the Tiska Eshayasa Birakaso, and she drives the tent peg through his head, through Sisera's temple, the Titnach Ba'aret, who near them, the Ya'at, the Yamas. And he is killed while he was sleeping. Kaisra wins the war, Barak appears to Ya'el, Ya'el shows Barak. What had happened, and the dead general laying on the floor, Kaisro, and they win the war. Kaisro ruled over Yavin Melech Kanan and won the war, and that is the end of the parak. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Hay, and this is the parak of Shiraz Devorah, the Song of Devorah. As it says in Pasuk Aleph, the Tasha Devorah, the Barak Ben Abinoam, that Devorah and Barak Avinoam, they sing on that day singing. Devorah opens by giving praise for Kal Yisrael, arousal to serve Hashem. However, Devorah stresses, even though Kal Yisrael strengthen themselves for Hashem, the military victory is not due to our own might. And Pasuk Dawid, through Vav, Devorah relates the history of Kal Yisrael from the receiving of, of the Torah on Har Sinai to the times of the Devorah, of Devorah, when Klai Yisrael was scared to leave their home. In Pasuk Zion and Ches, Devorah gives thanks to Hashem for the events that took place in her lifetime. In Pasuk Tes, through Pasuk Yudbez, Devorah sings about Klai Yisrael after their victory. In Pasuk Yud Zion, through Pasuk Yud Ches, Devorah gives praise for those who went to battle for Klai Yisrael. These soldiers were a means for Hashem to bring about the victory. All the ten Shvatim are mentioned here, except for Yehuda, Shimon, and Levi, which are not. Levi did not fight because they were scattered among the nations. This made it difficult to rally their troops together. Yehuda and Shimon did not fight because they were on the border with the Plishtim and had already gone to war and fought in the days of Shamgar ben Anak. Pasuk Yutes, through Pasuk Chabbez, Devorah describes the war and miracles that took place. And Pasuk Chav Dalit through Pasuk Chav Zion, Devorah curses Maraz, 
a general from a local city who did not come and help Barak in battle. Devorah praises Yael for her heroism. And Pasukhov Tess, through Pasukhov Lamed Owls, which is the end of the parrot, Devorah relates what will be with the downfall of all the Rishayim. And it says in Pasuk Lamed Aleph, the Tishkat Haaretz Arbiim Shana, and the land was quiet for 40 years. I would like to point out in Pasuk Gimel, when it says, Anoichi Hashem, I am for Hashem, Anoichi Hashira, Damer La Hashem, Elokei Yisrael, I'm going to sing, I'm going to pour my heart, I'm going to sing to Hashem, the God of Israel. These are amazing sukkim of song of Jewish music. It's explained in the Svarim HaKidoshim, the Indian of music and the Gune Kedusha, holy music. Music has the ability for a person to sift his higher self from his lower self. That's why the word marakade means sifting, but it also means dancing, to do a rikud, to dance. Just like a musician sifts through the instrument and clarifies which notes to play, so too when we sift through ourselves to extrapolate and find our good points, our Nakudas Tovas we have inside of, us, inside of us, we are in a sense making music, Naguna Kedusha. As the Gemara says, even a Russia is filled with mitzvahs like a remo, like a pomegranate. Each one of us has amazing Nakudas Tovas good points inside us waiting, for us, waiting for us to see it. As David Amalekh says in Tehillim, Azam Oidi, I will sing to Hashem with my Oidi, with my mourness. As it's explained in the Svarim, my old ma'atov, the little bit of good that I still have left inside me. I'm going to sift through all my problems, all my hardships, my midos, my downfalls, and I'm going to find the good point, the good nakuda that's found still left inside me. And this is how we make Jewish music. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Vav, and in this Perik we start the story of Gidon. In Pasad Aleph, the Yasu B'nei Yisrael HaRav E'nei Hashem, Kaisal continued doing Ram the eyes of Hashem, the Yitnim Hashem, the Yad Midyan Sheva Shanim, and Hashem placed them in the hands of Midyan for seven years. And before Hashem explained, the oppression of Midyan on Kaisal was considered very harsh and severe. In Pasad Beis, through Pasad Hay, Kaisal dug holes in the sides of mountains, making tunnels, in order to be safe to hide out. The Minyanim and the Mamalekim would destroy Kaisal's crops, produce, leaving nothing for Kaisal to eat. The Minyanim, the Midyanim and the Amalekim would have their camels and animals eat Kaisal's food and struck fear in the hearts of Kaisal. This caused a famine in Eretz Yisrael. And Pasuk Vav, through Pasuk Yud, Klai Yisrael pours the heart out to Hashem. Hashem sent the Navi, the Radak and Rashi both point out the Navi was Pinchas, who gave Klai Yisrael rebuke and, says, and also tells Klai Yisrael, Hashem will never leave you. And Pasuk Yud Aleph, as it says, Vayavu Malach Hashem, Vayeshev Tachas Ha'ala, a Malach Hashem appeared and came under a tree, Asher Ba'afra, that was an Afra, Asher Li Yoash, Abia Ezri, the Gidon Beno, appeared to Yoash from Ezri and his son Gidon, Chove Chitim, the Gas, Lahanis Mutneid Nidian. This Malach of Hashem appeared to Yoash and his son Gidon, who were on the threshing floor as they were hiding from Midian. The angel tells Gidon, tells Gidon, Hashem is with you to save Kaisro. Gidon responds to the angel, Ayekon Niflosov. 
Where are your miracles? Where's your greatness that you've promised to our nation? It certainly seems as if Hashem has deserted us to the hands of Midian. And Pasuk Yedalit Hashem, the Malach Hashem, responds with the word of Hashem, Lech b'koch chazeh, b'hoshet ed Yisrael mikol Midian. Go with your strength and save Kla Yisrael from Midian. Gidon responds, I'm the youngest in my home and the poorest as well. Hashem, the Malach, relates the word of Hashem and tells Gidon not to worry. You will destroy Midian like a single person. In Pasuk Yedzayin, through Pasuk Yedzayin, Gidon relates to Hashem, I want a sign that shows indeed I am speaking with the Malach. Gidon prepares a meal and places it under the elm tree. The Malach tells Gidon to place the food on the rock and pour out his soup as well. The angel stuck out, sticks out his staff and the food goes up in a fire as with the soup that he poured out. The Malach then disappears. And Pasukhov Beis and Pasukhov Gimel, a year Gidon ki Malach Hashem hu, Gidon sees that this indeed was a Malach Hashem. And he says, Re'isi Malach Hashem, Panim o Panim. I saw the Malach of Hashem, the angel of Hashem, face to face. Hashem. And Hashem tells Gidon, Shalom lecha, al tira lo tamus. He says, peace be on to you. There will be peace with you. Do not fear. You will not die. You need to go and save Kaisrael. And Pesachov Dalit, Gidon built a Mizbeach for Hashem, thanking him that he was able to see this Malach. And Pesachov, hey, on that night, Hashem tells Gidon, take your father's cow, that's your father's, and the second one, that seven-year-old, and destroy the Mizbeach Habal, the Avodah Zorah Mizbeach, that was for your father. That was your father's. And the Asherah tree that was used to worship, that was used for Avodah Zorah, you need to go and, kit, and, and cut it down. Hashem tells Gidon to destroy the Mizbeach, as well as the Asherah Then bring the second bull and build a new altar that you're going to use the wood from the Asherah tree that you have cut down. Gidon takes ten men and proceeds forward at night because they were scared. The next morning, the people, they go, they proceed, they cut down, they destroy the Mizbeach Habal, and they cut down the Asherah tree. The next morning, the people of the city woke up and see the Mizbeach Habal, and the Asherah tree was destroyed. They say, who did this? They all shouted. <clears throat> they searched and found it was Gidon ben Yoash. And Pesachlamid, the, uh, the people of the city approached Yoash, take out your son so we could kill him. Because he destroyed our Mizbeach and he destroyed our Asherah tree. And Pesachlamid, Aleph, Yoash responds by arranging a showdown between the Baal, the Avodazar of the Baal, and his son Gidon, who is carrying the word of Hashem. And on that day, Yoash renamed his son and called him Yerubal. That the Baal, the Avodazar of Baal, if he has a problem with it, he should take it up with my son, Gidon. The Ruach, all of Midian and Amalek, 
gathered together Be'emek HaYezreel in the Jezreel Valley. And the Pesach says, Ruach Hashem Lovsha as Gidon. Gidon wore the spirit of Hashem. Gidon rallies together some of the Shvatim of Klai Yisrael. And the Pesach Lamed Vav. Gidon asked Hashem for a sign two times, for two signs to indicate Hashem will be with him in this showdown against the the Avodah of Baal. The first sign, Gidon spread a fleece on the threshing floor and asked for dew to fall just on the fleece and have the threshing, have the threshing floor completely dry. So just the fleece would be wet and the floor would be dry. The second sign was the reverse. The, flo- the floor would be wet and the fleece would be dry. Hashem does both signs for Gidon in the following two mornings, and Gidon sees that Hashem is going to be with him. And that's the end of our parrot. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoistim Perik Zion, Bayash Gim Yerubabel, Hu Gidon, Vechoilam Asher Iso. Gidon had gotten up in the morning, early in the morning, with all the people that were with him. Hashem tells Gidon, there are too many people with you. The people might start to think, Yadi Hoshiali, it was our strength that we have won the war. The Kliyakar adds, Hashem wanted the people to know the battle was won by a nace and not through their own strength and merits. Hashem continues, first, you, Gidon, First, Gidon needed to make an announcement. Whoever is scared, they may lose the battle because of their avarus. They can turn back home and go. 22,000 people left home. 10,000 people stayed for battle. Again, Hashem tells Gidon, there's too many people. We need to have a smaller group. I, Hashem, will narrow it down again for you. As it says in Pasuk, hey, and this is how Hashem does it. The nation is going to go down to the water. And Hashem says to Gidon, Anyone who goes down to the water and they lap up the water like a dog, separate them into one group. And anyone who, who kneels first, and then, and then drinks from the water. First they knelt, and then they drank from the water. Then we're going to separate them into another group. The reason for this was, as the, as the Sukkim explained, anyone who knelt downwards first meant that they were accustomed of kneeling and bowing for Vodazara for idol worship. Therefore, they would be unfitting for battle. Out of those 10,000 people, only 300 people remained and were kept for battle. The Dasofram explains, usually dismissing soldiers is only done for a Melchemist Rishus, an optional war. However, this was considered a Melchemist Mitzvah, a commandment to go to war. Gidon was told to send soldiers home as a Hora Sha'a, a singular time, a singular ruling that they needed to send soldiers home, even though they didn't normally do that for an for a obligatory war of Mohammed's mitzvah. In Pasat Tes, through Pasat Tesvav, that night Hashem appears to Gidon and tells Gidon, the enemy 
Nidian will be yours. You're going to win the war. However, if you're afraid, what you can do is you can go down to the edge of the Midian and Amalek camp with your servant Pura, listen to what they are saying. The Midian and Amalek was as large, the, the camp of Midian and Amalek was as large as a swarm of locusts, and they were tremendous in numbers. In Pasuk Gimel, it says, Right? That Gidon went down to the camp at night, and he heard one man saying to his friend, relating over a dream. The Navi says what the dream is. Gidon hears the Midian person saying the dream he had heard. There was a roasted piece of barley bread was rolling around the Midian camp. It came to a tent, a Midian tent, and it hit the tent, and it flipped the tent upside down. And Pasuk Yadalid, the Ya'an Re'eu, and he heard the interpretation of it from his friend, the Yomer, This is only going to be what this means. This is the sword of Gedon ben Yoash who's going to defeat the Midian camp. The Radak explains the barley bread represented the smaller army, and Gedon was the larger army. So therefore, the barley overturned the Midian tent. The small army overturned the tent, representing that Gidon was going to win. The Dasoifrim also adds that the, a dream and the correct interpretation that Gidon heard was gifts from Hashem to Gidon to allow him to feel more confident that he was going to win the war. Gidon then rallies his troops. In Pasuk Tez Dayan, it says, Vayichatz es he split the group of 300 people into three groups, 100 people in a group. What does Gidon do? Gidon tells his soldiers, follow my lead. After splitting into groups, he, gives them, he tells them to grab shofros in their hands and empty jugs in their hands and torches with them as well. And on my command, you're going to follow what I do. You're going to scream, Hashem Gidon. You're going to scream that the war is from Hashem and it's from Gidon. The Dasoi from again explains what does this mean, Hashem Gidon, for Hashem and for Gidon. The swords that kill, that will be from Hashem. But the victory will come about through the means of Gidon. And Pasuk Yutes, through Pasuk Chavbez, they go to battle. Gidon and the soldiers go close to the camp. And as the Midian camp is changing, our, changing the guards, the soldiers in their three different groups, they blow the shofar and scream, Gidon, the sword of Hashem and Gidon, the Midian camp flees. And Pasuk Chav Gimel, through Chav Hay, which is the end of the parak, Gidon rallies together, Naftali, Asher, and Chatsi Menashe, half of Menashe, to chase the Midian. Gidon commands to secure the waterway and to stop the Midian from running. The Dasoifrim points out the Midian were left with no escape and no water to drink after the waterway was secured. The Midian leaders of Zev and Oref are caught and killed and brought to, go, and brought to Gidon. I'd like to point out what was the message of the barley bread in the dream that Gidon heard? The Medrash in Vayikarabah explained that it was the sus, it was the merit of the Minchas Omer, the barley offering, whose merit protected Kali Yisrael at that time. It's explained the word Omer 
also comes from the word emor, which means to gather the people together. Because there was so much of Odazara, idol worship, that was rampant in the nation at that time, there was a tremendous lack of unity and lack of brotherhood amongst the people. So this is what it means that Gidon, that it was the Omer that protected the people. It was the emor, it was the gathering of the nation, it was the Achbis, it was the unity of Kaisro that Gidon was trying to reinstate after the separation that they had from doing of Zarah. So after Gidon gathered together the people, and there's a tremendous Achbis in Kaisro, that's how they were able to defeat their battle. And that is as well the power of Achbis. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoitim Perik Ches. We continue the story of Gidon and Pasuk Aleph. The Yomer Lov Yish Ephraim Mahadover Azar Sisolanu Rebuilti Koroslanu. The people of Ephraim say, "What is this that you didn't call me and call us for battle?" Ephraim expresses grief and concern over Gidon not calling them for battle. Gidon responds by harshly reiterating, "He killed the Midian leaders of Oreb and Zeb. What more do they want from him?" Ephraim accepted and retracted their accusation of Gidon. And Pasuk through Pasuk Teth, Gidon then travels to the places of Penuel and Sukkos, asking the Jews there for bread for his worn-out and tired soldiers. Both the people of Penuel and Sukkos deny Gidon and his army bread. Gidon relates both cities will have to face his wrath after he captures the two kings of Midian, Zevach Vitzalmanah. And Pasuk Yud, through Pasuk Yud days, Zeva Vitzalmona, the kings of Midian, were in their camps. 120,000 of their soldiers were already killed by Gidon. 15,000 soldiers were remaining as survivors for war. Gidon strikes the camp and captures the two kings. And Pasuk Yud Gimel, through Pasuk Yud Zion, after capturing the two kings, Gidon heads back and kills the people of Sukkos and Penuel, as he said he would. In Pasuk Yud Ches, Gidon now confronts the two kings of Zevavitomona before killing them. Gidon tells them if they would not have killed his fellow brothers, who were such refined people, he would not have to go ahead and kill them. In Pasuk Chaf, right before killing them, Gidon says, he tells his oldest son, Yeser, go and kill them. But the Nar, the young boy, Yeser, who was Gidon's Bukhor, did not take out his sword to kill them because he was scared that he was y- because he was young. Gidon then follows through by making the kill himself as was requested by Zevach the Tzomona. Gidon now takes the battle emblems of the kings of, Gid- of Midian, Gidon and Tzomona, as a souvenir and a sign of his victory. The, Ra- the Ramadwali points out that Gidon's son, Yeser, was actually a Gilgal of Yisro, the father-in-law of Moshe, who was a Kohen Midian. Now, in this Gilgal, Yeser would have the opportunity to kill one of the leaders of Midian, therefore making a tikkun, a rectification for Yisro. However, Yeser did not make the kill as Gidon requested, and therefore did not make this rectification, this tikkun, this tikkun that could have been made. 
That's why Yeser and Yisro are the same letters. In Pasukhav Beis and Pasukhav Gimel, the Yomer Ish Yisrael El Gidon, Mashobanu Gamata. Now the people of Kaisro try to get Gidon to take the mantle of leadership for them. Gambincha, Gambendincha, Kihoshatu Anu Biyad Midyan. Your kids and your grandkids, they should be our leaders. They should, they should lead us. Because you saved us from the hand of Midian. Gidon responds, not me, not my kids, and not my grandkids. Hashem Yimshobachem. Hashem will be your leader. Hashem will rule over you. Rule over you. Gidon denies the leadership of Paiso. This is a spot where we see, Gid- where we see Gidon's great anivas and great Humility, because one of the signs of a true leader of Kaisal is that they always diminish their kavod and increase and be marbe the kavod of Hashem. Gidon asks, but Gidon and Pasukhov Dalit through Pasukhov Zion, Gidon asks Kaisal for the golden nose rings that were collected from the wars of Mid- from their battle of Midian. Gidon now takes the golden nose rings and he makes an aphod from, this, from these nose rings. The Radak says, what's the aphod? He says it's either a belt or a golden garment. As a sign of the nace that Hashem did for them by allowing them to win the war. Keep in mind, Gidon's army was only 300 soldiers. The Nabi points out that later this aphod was used as was a thorn, became a thorn in Kaisal's side because it was later used for Avodazara. In Pazakhovchet, through Pazaklamanhe, which is the end of the Peric, Midian was currently no longer a threat for Kaisal. The land was quiet for 40 years. Gidon returned home, returned home and had 70 kids. He had a son named Abimelech from his Pelegesh. The Kriyakard adds, this was not like Shmuel Hanavi, who went around judging Kaisro during his time of tranquility. Because Gidon had returned home and didn't go around judging Kaisro, not like Shmuel Hanavi. And Pasuk Lamed Gimel, the Yamas Gidon ben Yoash, but Seva Tova, in a good old age, the Yitvar bekever Yoash Avi, Ba'afra Avi Ezri. Gidon passes away, he leaves this world at a good old age. The Medjish Rabbah explains there's a similarity between Gidon and Avinu. Avram Avinu, he destroyed his father's Mizbeach. Gidon, he also destroyed his, he also was the, destroyed his father's Mizbeach. These were the only two people in Tanakh who went ahead and destroyed their father's altar for Vodazarah. So therefore, these are the two people in Tanakh that are referred to as dying the Seva Tova. Avram and Gidon, the Pasuk both points out to them for them that they died the Seva Tova in a in an old age. Now Klaisol, moving on in the Perik, Klaisol returned to Avodazara, and the last Pasuk, Pasuk Lamanhe, points out that Klaisol did not respond in the same goodness with the same gratitude that Gidon to Gidon and his family as Gidon had done for them. I would like to point out the Chobos Lovobos in Sha'ar Vodos Elohim gives an amazing lesson of a Karasatovan gratitude. That according to the Tobos that we receive from a person, according to the goodness that we receive, we are supposed to give back in that measure. So too for Hashem, who overwhelms us with kindness 
And when we see the goodness that Hashem does for us, we should be so inspired and have so much and gratitude for the tovos Hashem does for us, and we should use those good feelings as a source in order to motivate us to give back, do the mitzvahs, and serve Hashem. So the Navi points out over here that Klaiso had a lack of akarasatov, a lack of gratitude for Gidon and his family, and refers to them had a lack of a karsatov for Gidon and his family and didn't give back the same goodness that Gidon had bestowed to them. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Safer Shoftim Peret Test discusses Avimelech's rise and downfall of power. And Pasuk Aleph, Vayelech Avimelech ben Yeru Valel Shema El Achi Imo v'yidaber leim v'okom mishpachas beis avi imo lemor. Avi Melech, the son of Yerubavel, now went to his brother's mothers, and he spoke to them and to his entire family, saying, Avi Melech related that he would like to be the ruler. Avi Melech asserts himself, asserts himself that he's the most fitting of all the seventy brothers to take the leadership. Avimelech's uncles spread the word and win the hearts of the people of Shechem. The people of Shechem give him 70 pieces of gold and accept Avimelech as their leader. Note the audacity of Avimelech, whose father Gidon declined taking the leadership. Now we see Avimelech being self-assertive and taking the leadership that is unrightfully his. Avimelech hired Anashim Reikim Ubchazim, empty-headed people. Avimelech heads to his home, the town of Ufra, and murders all 70 of his brothers, except for Yosem ben Yerubal, the youngest son of Gidon, who was in hiding. In Pasuk Vav, the people of Shem and Beis Milah pronounce Avimelech as a king. In Pasuk Zion, Vayagidu liYosem, Vayelech Vayamu Barosh Haragrizim, Vayisakolo. Yosem, the youngest son, went to Haragrizim and raised his voice. Listen to me, the people of Shem, and listen to the word of what Hashem is going to say. Yosam stands on top of Hargrizim, which is overlooking Shem. Yosam says his harsh parable to them. The parable is as follows. Trees wanted to anoint a king. The olive tree, the fig tree, and the grapevine were all asked to be the tree's king and declined. However, the thorn bush, which was asked last, finally consented to being the other tree's king. The thorn bush says, if you truly want me as a king, then sit under my shade. If not, a flame should come from within me to set the entire forest on fire. Rashi explains the three initial trees of the olive tree, fig tree, and grapevine represent the three great shosim of Asnil ben Kenaz, Dvora, and Gidon, who could have tried to take the tried to take ruler, be ruler over Kaiser, but did not. The thornbush was Avimelech, who was not fit for the leadership. In Pasuk Tezvav, through Pasuk Aleph, Yosef Yosam continues: If you truly act in, if you truly acted in kindness, like my father has done for you, then you should be happy with Avimelech as your king. But if not, let a fire come from Avimelech and destroy the people around it. Yosem now runs away to Be'er 
in fear of his brother. Avimelech ruled over Klaiso for three years with force and arrogance. The Radak points out Avimelech did not bring Klaiso closer to Hashem, as is the job of a Jewish ruler. The Ramad Wali explains Hashem waited three years to see if Avimelech would do tshuva. Hashem now caused the Ruach Ra ill will to come between the people of Avimelech and Shem, the people of Shem and Avimelech. The very same people who brought Avimelech into power now tormented Avimelech. The people of Shem would rob other people en route to visit Avimelech. Hashem was now causing proper retribution to Avimelech for improperly taking the leadership and killing Gidon's 70 children, his brothers. And Pasuk Chavav, the Yavo Gal Ben Eved. Gal Ben Eved, he comes. Rashi points out he was a Gentile. Gal riled up the people of Shem and questioned the authority of Avimelech. Gal wanted to kill Avimelech and reinstate Hamor as the rightful heir and leader of Shem. Gal tells Zvul, who was the leader of Shem for Avimelech, to tell Avimelech to prepare for battle. Zvul secretly sends messengers to Avimelech with an alternative plan to defeat Gal. The Rabbeinu Yeshayim Atrani points out, Zvul was pretending to betray Avimelech to Gal. Zvul really wanted to see the downfall of Gal and his people. Avimelech, and Pasuk Avimelech ambushes Gal and attacks and attacks in the morning. Zvul, who is currently with Gal, deceives Gal by telling Gal he only sees a shadow and not an encroaching army. Just to be clear on this, Zvul was really on the side of Avimelech. However, he was trying to collude with Gal in order to see Gal's downfall. Avimelech murders many people of Shem. Zvul chases out. Zvul then chases out Gal out of town. And Pasuk Membez, after the war, the people of them started leaving their houses again. The people thought they were at peace with Avimelech. Avimelech then pours salt all over their crops, leaving them barren to grow produce and massacres the people of Shem. And Pasuk Memhei, the people of Migdal Shem heard what Avimelech was doing and wanted to attack him. Avimelech finds out they flee to their tower. Avimelech burns down the tower, killing a thousand men and women who were inside. And Pasuk Nun, Avimelech then went to a town called Tebet, again went to burn down the strong tower. A woman from on top of the tower throws down a Pelach Rechev, a part of a millstone which crushed Avimelech's skull. Right before dying, Avimelech commands his weapon carrier to kill him by sword as to not, by the, not die by the hand of a woman, which would be a great source of embarrassment. And Pasuk Nunhei, through Pasuk Nunzayin, which is the end of the parrot, Hashem paid back Avimelech for murdering his brothers, and the curse of Yosam was fulfilled. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shurzdim Perik Yud. In this Perik, after the carnage of Avimelech, the Novi goes on to list further Shurzdim. And Pasuk Alas, Vayakim Achre Avimelech Lo Shir Yisro, 
after Avimelech passes away, comes the judge to save Klai Yisrael, Tolo ben Pua ben Dodo, Ish Yisachar, Tolo ben Pua, a man from Yisachar, Vuhu Yoyshev b'Shamir b'Har Ephraim. And he dwelled in Shamir on the mountain of Ephraim. Tolo ben Pua judged Klai Yisrael for 23 years and is buried in Shamir. The Radak points out, Tolo was a nephew of Avimelech. The Rashi is, argues on the Radak and says Tola and Avimelech were not related at all. The Dasoifim suggests Tola already had a form of leadership role which allowed him to be the next Shofet. Also note, Tola was from Yisachar but lived in Har Ephraim, in the mountains of Ephraim. It's explained Tola went there to the mountains to pour out his heart Hashem to work on receiving Nebuah. So do all of us have the ability to sit regularly and pour out our hearts to Hashem in personal prayer, like a son to his father. And plus a gimel, v'yakim achrov yoyer hagilogi, v'shofat yisrael esrim v'shtayim shana. The next shofi is yoyer hagilogi, from the, yoyer from the place of Gilad, who judged Kla Yisrael for 22 years. Yoyer had 30 sons with 30 horses who owned 30 towns. They named their towns Chavos Yoyer, after their father. And Pasuk Vav through Pasuk Tes, Klai saw this evil in the eyes of Hashem and worships of Odezara, idols. Hashem allowed the Plishtim and Bnei Amun to oppress Klai Yisrael for 18 years. The Dasoifim points out this was the worst time for Klai Yisrael that Klai Yisrael suffered in the period of the Shoftim. As it says in the Pasuk, Vatetzer Yisrael me'od, Klai Yisrael was distressed and oppressed a lot. Me'od. In Pasuk Yud, through Pasuk Zion, Klai Yisrael tries to do tshuva, and Hashem rejects their tshuva. However, Klai Yisrael is persistent in their tshuva and removes all idols from their homes and tells Hashem, do whatever you think is good for us. As it says in Pasuk Zion, the Yamru B'nei Yisrael al-Hashem, Klai Yisrael said to Hashem, Khatanu, we sinned. Asa, do to us all the good that you see sitting in your eyes. But, however, save us, please, save us today. Hashem once again listens to Ka'isar's Philos. And Pasuk Yudzayim through Pasuk Yudchas, which is the end of the parak, the Amon were camped in Gilad, B'nai Yisrael, in Mitzvah, and an announcement is made. Whoever starts battle with Bnei Amon will be the new leader of Gilad. And that's the end of the parak. I'd like to point out first Klai Yisrael tries to do tshuva. They are rejected and then persist. One of the words David HaMelech wrote to Hilamon which was the word Lamanatseach. It explains Lamanatseach comes from the word Minatseach, to be victorious over someone else. To win. Each one of us has the ability to fight Kalviyako with Hashem through Tefillah, to be Minatseach, to be victorious over Hashem. This is what happened here. Klai Yisrael did not take no for an answer. They continued trusting in Hashem's goodness and fighting Kalviyako with Hashem in their Tefillahs until they won, until Hashem, until Hashem saved them. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Yud Aleph. This parak discusses Yiftach and the vow he made involving his daughter. 
in Pasuk Aleph. But Yiftach HaGiladi Hayat Gibor Chayo. Yiftach HaGiladi was a very strong man. Who ben Isha Zona? The Yelet Gilad es Yiftach. When Yiftach's brothers grew up, they would taunt him because he had a different mother. By telling Yiftach he had no portion in his father's inheritance. Rather, rather than create machlokes and bitter feelings, Yiftach got up and ran away to a place called Tov, as the Pasuk says, Be'eretz Tov. He went to the land of good. Be'derach Drush, the Svarim explained, it's good to avoid ill will and better feelings and bitter feelings of machlokes at all times. This is what is meant that Yiftach went to Eretz Tov, the good place of better feelings and no dissension. And Pasuk Dalit through Pasuk Yir Aleph, the Bnei Amon oppressed Kla Yisrael, Zakain of Gilad sent for Yiftach to help, to help them lead them in battle. Yiftach refuses and points out the elders were the exact people who drove him away, and now they want him back. Yiftach consents, providing, providing if Yiftach is victorious, Yiftach will be their new leader. A shua, a swear is made between the elders of Gilad and Yiftach. And Pasuk Yudbeis through Pasuk Gimel, Yiftach now sends emissaries to the king of Amon, inquiring in a, in a diplomatic way as to why Amon is oppressing Kayiso. The king of Amon responds, because you, the Jews, took our land. Yiftach now related with many historical examples from Jewish history to Melech Amon, the king of Amon, that indeed Kayiso, the Jews, did not steal any land. In fact, the land that they did win was a defensive war. Just to add, does this sound familiar? The land we won is from a defensive war. Anyways, this is an old story. And Pasukhov Zion through and Pasukhov Ches, it says, Banochi Lo Asilicha the Ata Osa Asrali Lachandi, Yiftak says to the king of Amon, I didn't do anything to you. And now you're coming, you want to go to war with me? You want to do bad to me? And it says about the king of Amon, Below Shama Melech Bnei Amon, El Divrei Yiftach, Asher Shalach But the king refused to listen to Yiftach. The Navi points out the Ruach Hashem was with Yiftach. Now, before we enter into this, I'd like to point out that this upcoming, what we're about to say, is one of the more sensitive topics in Sefer, Yush, Sefer Shoftim and really needs to be understood in a proper light. It's really beyond the scope of this recording this year to be able to delve into all the fine points of what was happening here. In Pasaglamid, it says, Yiftach Neder. Yiftach now makes a neder, a vow to Hashem. If I win the war, whatever comes out of my house first, when I return to my home in Mitzvah, I will offer as a korban for Hashem. The Mitzvah explains, Yiftach was referring to an animal that would come through his doors first when he returned from battle. Yiftach now defeats Bnei Amun in battle. Yiftach returns home, and the first thing that comes through his door is his daughter. Yiftach tears his clothing because he is well aware of the neder, the vow, that he made. Yiftach's daughter requests two months to go to the mountains with her friends and bemoan the fact that she was never married. Upon returning Upon return, her fate is met, and Yiftach fulfills his vow. Every year, the woman would lament over Yiftach's daughter. Now, the Gemara and the Medrash learn 
that indeed Yiftach brought his daughter as a sacrifice, as his, as his neder indicated. However, the Radak, the Metsudas, the Raubach, the Eben Ezra, and more learn Yiftach did not actually sacrifice, did not actually bring a human sacrifice because that's against Halacha. Rather, Yiftach built, a house, built her a house where she lived in seclusion for the rest of her life. This way she was set aside for Hashem. She was an Ola for Hashem. And his nether would be fulfilled in that way. And four days a year, every woman would come to console her that she had to live her life in seclusion. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Yud Beis and Pasuk Aleph. By Yitzhak Ish Ephraim, the people of Ephraim called out, by Yomreli Yiftach, and they said to Yiftach, Madu alvarte lachem b'nei Amon, velanu lo karos yimach. Why did you go against war, against the people of b'nei Amon, and you didn't call for us? Beishon nesaref alecho b'eish. Your house should be burned with fire. The Mitsuda explains that the shevet of Ephraim were disturbed and enraged by the fact that Yiftach brought his, brought his daughter for a korban as a sacrifice, as we saw in the previous parak. So Mida Keneget Mida, they wanted to bring down Yiftach with fire. Yiftach responds, I tried getting you, Ephraim, to come and help during battle. You did not come. I have put my life at risk. Now why are you trying to instigate me and start a war right now? A civil war happened between Yiftach, who was from the Shevet of Menashe, and Ephraim, who was instigating. Yiftach took hold of the waterways. Anytime someone from Ephraim would try to pass, the guards would ask them to pronounce the word Shebolas with a shin. If they said the word Shebolas with a samich, this was a clear indication they were from the tribe of Ephraim. The Radak points out because Ephraim lived in a different region and were unable to pronounce the shin sound, so instead they said it as a psalmist, as a sin, sibolus instead of shibolus. The Mitsudas adds, this was only done by the fringe elements of Ephraim, as it was the riffraff who instigated the war against Menashe and Yiftach. 12,000 people were killed from Ephraim. Yiftach judged the Jews for six years, and he is the Kaver, Ba'are Gilad. He was buried in the cities of Gilad. Now, to explain the Mephorshu say, what does it mean, the Kaber Ba'are Gilad? He was buried in the cities, plural, of Gilad. It's explained that Yiftach was punished for being lazy in the previous parak and not walking to Pinchas HaKohen in order to get his vow nullified that he made. Therefore, every place he went, because he was lazy, a limb would actually fall off him, and they'd have to bury that limb in the place that he was until eventually he died. That's why it says in the Pusik, the Kaver Ba'are Gilad, he was buried in the cities of Gilad. I'd also like to point out that the, Abra, the, Abarbanel, the Abarbanel explains it's the nature of brother to call it, why was, and explaining why the Shevet Ephraim was so enraged, because it's the nature of brothers to call on each other at our time of need. Here Ephraim was assaulted and heard that his brother Benasha, which Yiftach was from, did not call on him in a time of need. In Pasuches, through Pasuchesvav, which is the end of Perik, the, now, the Navi now lists the next three Shoftim for the Jews. 
The first one was Ifsan from Beis Lechem, who judged the Jews for seven years. He had 30 sons that he ma- who he married off. Rashi and the Radak point out Ifsan was Boaz from the story of Rus. The next judge was Elon Hazulani, who judged for 10 years. And the last judge in the parak was Abdul ben Hillel Hapirosoni, who judged for who judged Kaiso for eight years. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perak Yud Gimel. This parak discusses by Noah and his wife and the birth of Shimshon. The Jews were oppressed by the Pelishtim for forty years. It says in Pasuk Beis. There was one man from the family of Don, and his name was Manoach, and his wife was barren, and she couldn't give birth. Amalach Hashem, an angel of God, appeared to Manoach's wife. Manoach seemingly thought this angel was actually a person in Ishelokim. The Amalach gives a bracha to Manoach's wife with the news of a son who will begin to save the Jewish people from the Christian. The Malach relates to Manoach's wife, she should not drink wine and eat anything impure. The child born is going to be a Nazir, Kodesh Merechem, holy from birth, and a razor should never touch his hair. Manoach's wife relates her experience of what had just happened to Manoach, her, to Manoach, her husband. She delivers the news to her husband. Manoach now prays, that this Ishelokim, a man of God, should reappear to him, so he can ask this Ishelokim, this man of God, who was really an angel, how to raise the child. In Pasuk Tess, this Ishelokim reappears to Manoach's wife in a field. Manoach, Manoach's wife runs to get Manoach. Manoach confirms with the Ishelokim, it is indeed the same person who originally came. The Ishelokim reiterates, his words to Eshes Manoach, as it says in Pasuk Yudalid, Mikol Asher From anything that comes from the vine of wine, you should not drink. you should not eat from anything impure. V'yayin v'sheicha al tish v'kol tishte v'kol tome al tochel v'kol asher sevisa tishmor. You should not eat or drink from anything tome. And you should guard the words that I've told you. And Tezvav through Pasuchaf, Manoach now offers the Ishelokim to stay for a meal. This Ishelokim declined Manoach. Manoach. Manoach asks that this, this godly man, this Ishelokim, for his name. The Ishelokim responds by asking, Why do you want to know my name? Because it's hidden from you. The Ishelokim tells Manoach to bring a korban, a sacrifice to Hashem, instead of feeding him. As Manoach starts to bring the korban to Hashem, the angel disappears in a fire, in a cloud of smoke. Manoach and his wife now understand they were not talking to a man at all. Indeed, they were talking with a Malach Hashem, an angel of God. The Malach never returns to them again. In Pasuk Aleph, Manoach is startled after this realization. Manoach's wife calms him down by saying, if Hashem wanted to kill us, if Hashem wanted to kill them, our korban wouldn't have been accepted, and we wouldn't have God, we wouldn't have heard good news. In Pasuk of David, which is the last Pasuk of the Perik, the Kaled Haisha Ben, the Tikra Eshemos Shimshon, 
the woman, Ashes Manoach, she gave birth to a son, and his name was Shimshon. And the Nar, this lad, Shimshon, grew up and was blessed by Hashem. Just a word on the names in Baba Basra, in Sadiq Aleph Ahmed Aleph, it explains the wife of Manoah's real name was, was Telephonis, meaning to gaze at an angel, because her ability to see the Malach. Manoah, it's explained elsewhere, comes from the word Me-Noach, from Noah, indicating Manoah was a Gilgal, a Tikkun, for Noah, that he came from Noah, because Noah had a child, Ham, who sinned with wine. Now Manoah was going to have a child who was going to be a Nazir and abstain from wine. On the name Shimshon, Shimshon contains the word Shemesh, meaning son, because his spiritual and physical strength radiated like the sun, because this was hinted to in his exalted spiritual stature that he was going to be a Nazir in its very high levels of Kedusha. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Yudalid. This pair continues discussing the judge of Shimshon and how we would find a pretense to take, the, to take down the Pushtim to save the Jews. In Pasuk Aleph, Vayerit Shimshon Timnasa. Shimshon went to a place called Timna. Vayerit Yishu Bittimnasa Bittimnais Pushtim. And he saw a woman there from the daughters of Plishtim. The Plishtim were ruling over the Jews. Shimshon tells his parents he would like to marry this Plishti girl. Shimshon's parents express concern to Shimshon over the fact she is not Jewish. Shimshon demands from his father the Plishti woman for a wife, as Shimshon was planning to utilize this woman for the downfall of the Plishtim. Shimshon's parents did not know this was from Hashem. And Pasad Gimel, the Avi, the Emo, Lo Yadu, Kina Shemhi. His parents did not know that it was from Hashem. It's important to explain and clarify these seemingly difficult partials at this point. The Rambam and the Rauban and the Radak explain that Shimshon converted all his wives before marrying them. The Radak in the previous parak explains Shimshon was a Nazir, and how could someone who was a Nazir actually intermarry? Therefore, he explains the Radak, he continues, that he converted them first and kept it as a secret. The Radak explains that we don't find anywhere in Chazal where Shimshon is criticized for marrying Kalishti women. Because Shimshon was acting in accordance with the Ratzon of Hashem, the divine will, and converted them. In Pasuk Hay, Shimshon encounters and tears apart a lion with his bare hands, on his way to Timna, to Timna. His parents were not present at the moment. The Radak and the Ma'amoes explain, Shimshon did not consider this part of his own strength. Therefore, he did not tell his parents. It was a true sign of Shimshon's humility. The Ma'amoes adds, Shimshon wanted to speak with this woman to see if she had a good character. The wedding was scheduled to happen in 12 months, and Shimshon had heads home. In Pasuk Zion through Pasuk Test, upon return for the wedding, Shimshon passes the lion he had initially killed and ate, from, and ate honey from a beehive that was located in the lion's mouth. The Dasotram points out that Shimshon knew Hashem was with him because corpses normally decompose and the lion's corpse was still fresh. While this woman's 
and he explained, the mom always explains, well, this woman seemed to be sweeter than honey. Ultimately, she came with bees ready to sting. In Pasuk Yud, Shimshon's father, Shimshon and his father Manoah now show up for the wedding. His new father-in-law dedicated an additional 30 people to Shimshon to add to the celebration. Shimshon now saw that this is a time to give payback to the Christian. Shimshon posed a riddle to them. If they were to answer correctly, they would receive, they would receive 30 sheets and 30 changes of clothing. If not answered in seven days, they would have to repay that to Shimshon. And Pesach Yud Beis, Shimshon, Shimshon said to them, I will tell you a riddle. And again in Pesach Yud Dalid, he poses the riddle. From the eater comes something to eat, and from the strong comes something sweeter. The Plishtim were unable to figure out the riddle. They threatened Shimshon's wife with her life to find the answer. Shimshon would keep Shimshon, Shimshon's wife would weep to Shimshon and cry, saying, if you really loved me, you, would, you wouldn't keep a secret from me and tell me the answer. She pressed and distressed Shimshon. On the last and final day of the celebration, on the seventh day of the wedding celebration, Shimshon concedes and reveals his secret. The riddle was indeed referring to the honey inside the lion's mouth. In Pasuk Yudchas, through Pasuk Huff, which is the end of the parak, Shimshon understood it was his new wife who revealed the riddle. Shimshon leaves his wife and his anger over what had happened. Shimshon went to Ashkelon, he killed 30 men, took their clothing, and used it to pay his debt back to the Plishtim. Shimshon's wife went to live with another Plishti man who Shimshon had befriended. And the parak ends. I'd like to point out that Shimshon was unique from the Shoftim and the other leaders of Kaisro because Shimshon did not wage war or have an army. Shimshon single-handedly picked the battles, fought them, and won. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Parak Tesvav. This parak continues to discuss how Shimshon would find another pretense to save the Jews and the nace of the jawbone Hashem did for Shimshon. It was in the days of the harvest that it says in Pasuk Aleph, the Yifkot Shimshon es Ishto, Shimshon remembered his wife, the Yomar Avoel Ishti Hechadara, I'll go to my wife in her chamber room, below Nasnu Avi but her father did not let Shimshon come. Shimshon requests to see his wife from her father is denied. Her father offers Shimshon a younger daughter instead. Shimshon is enraged by this impulsive dollar. Shimshon now gathers 300 foxes, ties their tails together, which means two by two, which means he took one fox, tied the tail to another fox. He stuck torches in between the foxtails. This caused the foxtails to move more slower, causing more damage to the Plishtim and sent them into the Plishtim's town, setting everything ablaze. It's revealed to the Plishtim that Shimshon was the one who did this because they had handed over his wife to live with another man. In return, the Plishtim burned Shimshon's wife and father-in-law to appease him. In Pasuk Zion, Shimshon is not calm or appeased and murders many Plishtim. In Pasuk Tess, 
the Plishtim now head to war against Yehuda. Yehuda inquires as to why the Plishtim Rasan because of Shimshon. 3,000 people of Yehuda run to Shimshon in order to hand them in to save themselves from the Plishtim. Shimshon makes them swear they will not kill him. Shimshon cooperated with them and allowed himself to be tied by brand new ropes. The Malbim point out points out Shimshon cooperated because he did not any he did not want any bad to come upon them to become upon Yehuda because the the issue at hand was a personal issue. And again, we see that Shimshon was only acting in accordance with the Ratzon Hashem and divine will. The Dasoifrim point out Yehuda did this to show they were cooperating with the Plishtim, but in their hearts they knew that Hashem would be with them and be with Shimshon. As they were bringing Shimshon to the Plishtim bound in ropes, the Plishtim shouted humiliating words and remarks at Shimshon. And it says in Pasuk Yudalid, the Ruach Hashem made Shimshon Matzliach, made him successful. And the ropes that were tied to the arms of Shimshon, they were like flax that on Shimshon's arms that got burned. And these ropes just melted on Shimshon's hand. Shimshon now grabs hold of a fresh jawbone of a donkey and miraculously kills a thousand men, a thousand Christians. He named the place after the jawbone Ramas Lachi. And Pasuk Yerches, Shimshon is now thirsty from battle and calls out to Hashem, please send me water before I die in the hands of the Christians. The Malbim adds, Shimshon was really asking what good if you what good if you do what good is your miracle if you leave that you did for me by destroying the Plishtim with the jawbone of a donkey if you leave me here to die in the hands of the Plishtim? Hashem answers Shimshon's tefillah and prayer and makes a nace and a wellspring appears from inside the donkey jaw. Shimshon drinks and is restored to life. In the last pasuk pasuk kaf the Yishbot and Yisrael. The Yemei Plishtim and Srim Shana. Shimshon judged the Plishtim. He judged Kla Yisrael from, and, saved, and during the days of the Plishtim for 20 years. This is the reason why the Perak ends with this Pasuk is that this was an indication that Kla Yisrael initially was concerned about Shimshon, but in the end, they returned to him and accepted their leadership when they saw that he was only acting in accordance to the Ratzon of Hashem and in accordance to the divine will. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim, Perek Tedzayim. In this Perek, we discuss the story of Shimshon the Delilah and the downfall of Shimshon. Again, before we start, I'd like to add, these are the seemingly more difficult problems to understand, and it's really beyond the scope of this year to delve into the many fine points and details of these problems. However, the Svarim are open to all who would like to delve deeper and learn the Svarim of Navi. In Pasuk Aleph, Shimshon traveled towards Aza, and he saw... He met a woman there. 
The Kliyotar explains, Shimshon did not go there to sin. Rather, it was a public place where he could spread the word that he, Shimshon, has come to town. The people of the town heard and quietly planned to ambush Shimshon in the morning. Shimshon awoke in the middle of the night, completely, and he completely lifted up the deadbolt doors with the threshold of the city gate, lifted it right off the gate. Shimshon put it on his shoulders and brought it to a mountaintop. The Dasufram points out, although the Plishtim were planning to ambush Shimshon in the middle of the night, after seeing what Shimshon had just done and seeing his sheer strength, no one said a word to them, to him as they were petrified. Now in Pasuk Dalid, we'd like to turn to the story of Shimshon, the Navi of Shimshon and Delilah. In Pasuk Dalid it says, it was after some time Shimshon fell in love with a girl from, from Nachal Sorek, and her name was Delilah. Just a word on the name. Delilah comes from the word Dao, meaning poor and impoverished, because this woman would eventually leave Shimshon with nothing left. Alternatively, Delilah comes from the word Lila meaning nighttime, because she darkened Shimshon's life like the nighttime, ultimately leading to his demise. Delilah also has the word in it, Yolola, meaning lamenting and bemoaning, because it was, it was through her crying, lamenting, and nagging that she found out Shimshon's secret, the source of his strength. The Plishtun put pressure on Delilah to find out the source of Shimshon's strength. They promised her 1,100 pieces of silver from each member of the delegation. They told Delilah they want to know the source of his strength so this way they could protect their own people. The Ritsudas points out that Delilah knew if she didn't cooperate, the Plishtim would kill her. Delilah consents. Delilah questions Shimshon on how he can be bound by ropes. Shimshon responds, if you bind me, with seven wet ropes that have never been dried, then I'll be like any other person, as it says in Pesach Adam. If then I'll be just like a regular person. The Dasofram adds, Shimshon was surprised by her question, but reasoned that a wife would want to know her husband's strength. The, the Plishtim Bring the leader of the ropes, the leader binds, binds Shimshon. The Plishtim are waiting to ambush Shimshon in the next room. The leader calls out, the leader puts the ropes on Shimshon. Then the leader calls out, the Plishtim are upon you. Shimshon snaps the cords, the cord, and it was as if, and the cords were singed with fire from Shimshon's pure strength. The man Lois points out, the leader said this. The Leela said the, shim, the plishtim are upon you in order to make it look like she was not planning to do this, to make it look like she was not part of the plan. So she said the plishtim are upon you as if she had nothing to do with this. The Navi goes on. She presses Shimshon another two times in a similar vein. Each time Shimshon tells her a different way he can be captured with ropes, different way he can be captured, and then breaks free. The Mishnah Katana points out, at this point, Delilah had understood Shimshon's strength was miraculous and did not come 
through natural means. In Pasuk Tesvav, Vatomer love, after she saw what had happened, the Pasuk says, Vatomer love, Eich Tomar Vasicha. How can you say that you love me? She says to Shimshon, Velibucha, ain't iti, your heart is not with me. Zeshalosh Pamimbi, three, Zeshalosh Pamimbi, he say, three times you lied to me. And you did not tell me how you are so strong. What is the source of your strength? Shimshon now spills his heart out to her. Shimshon explains he is a Nazir, Kodesh Merechem. My strength comes from my hair. If my hair was cut, then I'll be like any other man. Hayisi, Kikol Adam. And Pasad Yates, the Lila feet. Delilah feels Shimshon is now telling her the truth. Delilah lulls Shimshon to sleep. Delilah cuts off Shimshon's seven locks of hair. Delilah again calls out the Pushtamar upon you. And Pesachess, Shimshon awakes from his sleep and expresses desire to fight back. Although Shimshon felt his strength was gone, which Shimshon did not realize Hashem was not with him. As it says in the Pasuk, Pasuk says, Who lo yada ki Hashem sama loves. He did not know Hashem was with him. We're going to continue this parrot tomorrow in the next year about Shimshon's final demise and his last, eff- and his last efforts to save Kaiso and destroy the Plishtim. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Shoftim Perek Zion. We continue the Perek that discusses Shimshon's demise and the story of Delilah. After Shimshon revealed his secret to Delilah, that the source of his strength was a, came from the fact that he was a Nazir and his hair had never been cut, Delilah cut off Shimshon's hair in the middle of the night. Shimshon awoke and was ready to fight. Shimshon knew that his strength was not with him. However, Shimshon was unaware that Hashem was no longer with him. As we continue, and Pasukhaf Aleph, Leichazu, Leichazuhu pushed him, the Yenakulis Enoch. The pushed him, captured him, they grabbed him, and they poked out his eyes, they blinded him. So Yeridu Oso Azasa, and they brought him to Aza, the Yasruhu bin Achashasim, and they bound him in copper, the Yitoyhein, the base Hasurin, and he was grinding, he was the will he was the mill worker in jail in the base Hasurin. The Radak points out Shimshon was worked to was brought to work at the mill in Aza for two years, doing a regular task that a prisoner would do. The Malbum adds, the Pushtim would keep shaving Shimshon's head for his hair not to grow back, because they now knew the source of his strength <clears throat> was connected directly to his hair. Shimshon was captured. The governors of the Plishtim wanted to bring Shimshon as a sacrifice to their god, Dagon. They brought Shimshon to the center of attention for, Shim- for Shimshon to entertain them. Shimshon did this and cooperated with them in order to gather more Plishtim together because he was planning an attack, his final attack. Shimshon now requested to be moved close to the center supporting pillars of the hall he was in. Shimshon leaned on the pillars. 3,000 men and women were watching Shimshon. 
now, as we will see from Shimshon's final prayer, to never give up. No matter how much we feel we have messed up, we can always pour our heart out to Hashem and do tshuva. It's never, ever too late. As it says in Pasuk Kofres, Vayikra Shimshon El Hashem, Shimshon calls out to Hashem, Vayomer, Hashem, Hashem, Zachreni Na, Hashem, remember me, please. Vichazkeni Na, and strengthen me, please. Achapam Hazelukim, one more time. Venekama Nakam, Nikam Achas, Mishte Enam Nuplishtin. Let me avenge one of my two eyes from the Plishtin. Rashi points out, Shimshon was asking Hashem to return his strength for one last time and wanted Hashem to remember the last 20 years that he was a shof. Shimshon now places his right hand on one, of, on one pillar, left hand on another, and collapsed the support beams, causing the entire building to collapse, taking his own life and 3,000 pushed him with him. This incident took more life than any previous incident combined. In Pasuk Lamad Aleph, which is the end of the parrot, Shimshon's body is quickly taken by his family and is buried next to his father Manoah between Sarah and Ashtal. And that's the end of the parrot. The, Madra- the Ramad Wali points out the place of Shimshon's burial between Sarah and Ashtal is significant. Shimshon was buried in the exact place where we see the Ruach Hashem was with Shimshon for the first time. This teaches us that Shimshon had atoned for any sin he may have done, and his neshama was being returned in the pure state he received it in, in the same state that it was in when he attained the Ruach Hashem. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Yud Zion. This Perik discusses Micha and the idol he had named. In Pasuk Aleph, There was a man from the mountain of Ephraim, and his name was Michayahu. The Malbim and the Dasofrim point out, at first we see Michayahu was a tzaddik, as his name Michayahu has Hashem's name of Yudkei Vavkei interlaying between the letters. However, starting from Pasuk 4 and onward, the Nabi only refers to him as Micha, removing Hashem's name from his name after he committed to Avodah Zarah. The Ramad Wali points out, Micha comes from the word Mach, meaning poor and weak in Kedusha, after giving into the Satan by making Avodah Zarah. I'd like to add, it takes no sophistication to come close to Hashem. As David Melech says in Tehillim, Tamim Tiem Hashem Elokecha, go with Hashem with Tmimis, simplicity, sincerity, and wholeheartedness. Continuing in the parak, after Micha's mother put a curse on whoever stole her 1,100 silver coins, Micha confessed and returned them to her. Micha's mother now counters with a bracha to, in a sense, nullify the curse she had unknowingly placed on her son. Micha's mother now sets aside the silver coins for an avodah and she tries to get Micha to turn the coins into a pestle statue for Avodah For idol worship, Micha refuses the money and handed the silver coins back into her hands. Micha's mother now brings the money to, the, to a silversmith to make it into an idol. The Malbim adds, 
she put, she paid 200 coins to the silversmith and used the rest of the 900 coins for the pestle, for the Avodazara. Yiricha now makes a base of Avodazara, a house of idol worship. As it says in Pasuk, hey, the Ha'ish Micha lo base elokim. Micha had a house for idol worship. Vayas Eifo, the Tzrafim, Yimaleas Yad Echad Mibadav, Vayhi lo the Kohen. And he made an ephod and shrafim there, different types of avodazara, and he appointed one of his sons to be the kohen there. The Navi continues, as it says in Pasuk Rav, In those days there was no king over Israel, and every man did them, did what they saw fitting in their eyes. The Radak and the Bermosha point out that this is relevant because there was no leader around to rebuke, to rebuke Micha and guide the nation in proper hadracha as well. Pasuk Zion through Pasuk Yabez, a man from the tribe of Levi moved to Harifayim looking for work, and he spent a night by Micha. Micha offered him a job to be the Kohen of his house of idols. The Levi left and refused. However, the Levi returned some time later, stayed with Micha, and accepted the offer for a work position. Micha trained the lady to work as a Kohen for him. And Pasuk Yud Gimel, which is the end of the parrot, it says, Now I know Hashem was good to me. Because now I have a lady for me to serve as a Kohen. Micha saw this as a sign from Hashem that after all he has that after all, he had someone from Shavit Levi working for him as a Kohen. What could be better than that? I'd like to add, it's a machlokis, a maforshim, of when this story actually took place. When the story of Pesamicha and the following prakam of Pilegish Begivah. As we said in Pasuk Yud, as we said in Pasuk Vav, in those days, there was no king of Yisrael. Rashi says this is referring to the beginning of Sefer Shokim when Kla Yisrael didn't have any leaders yet. The Seder Olam adds, both incidents took place between the death of Yoshua and the leadership of Asmael ben Kenaz. The Radak, both incidents took place between the time of Shimshon and Ariak Kohen because there was no Shofet in the land to give them to Chacha. Rebuke. Other Mephoshim learn that indeed the incidents, both incidents, and the entire Sefer Shoftim took place in chronological order. It's interesting to note, according to those Mephoshim, the Lila from the previous parak was actually Micha's mother. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Peregirchas. This parak discusses Shevet Stan's desire for more land and the seizing of Micha's idol and Kohen. And Pasuk Aleph, Vayamim Ahen, Ein Melech B'Yisrael. In those days, there was no king of Kalah Yisrael. The Mephorshim point out that the Navi keeps repeating that there was no king of Kalah Yisrael because these were isolated incidents that happened. By and large, Kalah Yisrael were doing wonderful on their own accord. The Pasuk continues, 
And in those days, the Shevet of Dan, they wanted more land for their inheritance. The tribe of Dan sent five spies to look for more land to conquer. Apparently, the land they received was not sufficient for them. The Malbim points out Dan's inheritance was on the border of Eretz Yisrael, and the Canaanim had actually took it from them and took their land. The Nobi continues, the five spies on their way to spy out more land spend the night at Micah's house of idol worship. The spies recognize the lady's voice who was working there, inquire, and inquire as to what he's doing there. The lady responds, I'm here for work. The five spies from Don now request the lady to ask the Avodazara if they will truly be successful. The lady responds in Pasuk Go in peace because Hashem will be with you. Notice the lady's use of Hashem's name here. This is significant. Who was the lady? The Mepharshim explained the lady was none other than Yehonasan ben Menasha ben Moshe. Yehonasan had an incredibly long life and was well known throughout the land because of his family. This is why the spies from Don recognized his voice. We, will also see, we also see by the use of Hashem's name, Yehonasan was telling the truth about taking the job for financial reasons, not because Yehonasan actually believed in Avodah Zarah. This is why when Yehonasan responded to the spies of Don with Hashem's name to dissuade them from serving idols and to show he did not actually believe in the Avodah Zarah himself. And Pasuk Zion through Pasuk Chaf Aleph, the five spies traveled to Laish, spy out the land, and returned with, with a good report to the rest of Shevet Dan. Shevet Dan now sends 600 soldiers with weapons to conquer Laish. On the way there, the spies show up with all 600 weapons men at the door of Micha's house. They take Micha's idol and Avodah Zarah and convince the lady to come with them. They told the lady, is it better to be a Kohen of one man's house or over a whole tribe? The spies, the spies now leave. Once Don left, once the shevet of Don left, Micha tracks them down and confronts them. In Pasachav Beis through Pasachav Aleph, Micha confronts the 600 men. Micha tells the spies, you have stolen the God I made and the Kohen and priest I trained. What have you left me with? The shevet of Don were unsympathetic to Micha and threatened Micha's life. Micha understood they were stronger than him and returned home. In Pasuk Chavlov, the warriors of Don went to Laish next and completely wiped out the city and conquered it. As it says in Pasuk Chav Zion, the Yavo Alayish Alaam Shaka Bubatach. They came, they destroyed Laish that was a tranquil, quiet land. They were weak, Laish. Laish had no allies and was far from the closest city that was close to them was Sidon, but even that, Sidon, but even that was far away. Shevet Dan renamed the city Dan and settled it. Shevet Dan worshipped the idols and took Yehonasan as a Kohen. The, the parak ends in Pasuk Lamed Aleph, by Yesimu lahem peso micha asher aso kol yimei hayos beisolokim b'shilo. And Shevet Dan adapted and worshipped the peso micha all the days that the Mishkan was in Shiloh. I'd like to point out, the Radak and the Matsudos 
add that Pesel Micha remained with Klai Yisrael until the Aron was captured by the Plishtim, as we'll near Tashem see in Sefer Shmuel. Elia Cohen indeed knew about Pesel Micha, but didn't protest it in the same manner that Elia Cohen did not rebuke his son. When Ailey died, the Aron was captured, and the pestle that seemed to be with Klai Yisrael since the begin since Kriyas Yamsuf, Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea when Klai Yisrael left Mitzrayim, was finally taken down and eradicated by Shmuel Hanavi. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim Perik Yotet. This parak starts the story of Pelegish Begiva and the beginning of the civil war that ensued. Before we begin this incident is one of the most horrific incidences that occur in the entire Tanakh. As we will see, it caused the civil war in Yisrael and the tribe of Binyamin to be excommunicated from the nation for a period of time. There are many fine points and details that are beyond the scope of this Yerom. All the language and vocabulary used around this incident is meant with the utmost sensitivity to our listeners and Chazal. In Pasuk Aleph, It was in those days where there was no king of Klai Yisrael. The Mitzudas points out, had there been a king of Yisrael, the king would have punished the sinners, thwarting and stopping the civil war. The Pasuk continues, there was a man from Levi who lived in the mountains of Ephraim, the Yikachlo Isha Pilegesh Mibes Lechem Yehuda. And he took a woman as a concubine of Pilegesh from the place of Beis Lechem Yehuda. The Radak points out the Levi was a hot tempered man who caused the Pilegesh to run back to her father's house. The Radak in the Ramban learned the woman was Mazana, she was adulterous, which caused the Levi to be enraged. Enraged. However, the Raubag and the Malgrim learn the woman was not Mazana in any way. In fact, they point out later in the parrot she was actually a modest woman. In Pasadalit, through Pasadirbez, the Pilegesh left her father's house, left to her father's house for four months. The lady returns with two donkeys and an attendant to his father in law's house in order to bring her back to him. The Daso from adds, both parties, the Levi and the Pelegish, were at fault for the incident that occurred. Only the Levi was at the father's, once the Levi was at the father's father-in-law's house, father-in-law detained the Levi for five additional days, feeding him a feast and trying to convince the Levi to stay. On the fifth and final day, the Levi leaves after the meal late in the day. The Levi takes the Pelegish, attendant, and donkeys with him. In Pasuk Yod Gimel, it's getting closer to sundown. The attendant asked to stay in the town they were close to of Yavos. The lady replies, he'd rather stay with his fellow brethren of Jews in Giva. In Pasuk Tezayin through Pasuk Chav, upon reaching the town square of Giva at sundown, an elderly man appears and questions them about their motives to coming to town. The lady responds, he's traveling from Beit Lechem on his way home to Harafrayim and will be stopping at the Mishkan in Shiloh to bring a korban, a sacrifice to Hashem. The Mephorshim point out the lady mentioned he was on his way to do a mitzvah to make clear to the elderly man, although he's from Harafrayim, he has not served the Pesel Micha, 
the idol of Micha and still believe in Hashem. The lady was hoping that elderly man would offer them a place to stay. The lady shares having all the necessary provisions with them. The elderly man invites them in for a place to stay for the night, however, emphasizes only a place to stay, and that's it, offering him no food. The group entered into, elderly, into the elderly man's house, settled down, and ate. And Pasukhov bays, the Ansheir, the people of Giva, they, they were wayward men, unlawly men, and they surrounded the house. And they were banging down the door, saying to the elderly man who lived in the house, Send out the man, send out the lady, so that we can know him. The elderly man refuses the lady and sends out his daughter, who is refused by the gang. The lady, scared for his life, sends out his pelegish. The atrocious mob was with her the entire night. The next morning, the lady found the pelegish dead on the doorstep. The lady brought her body home on his donkey. In reaction to this despicable act, the lady cut her body into 12 pieces and sent one piece to each tribe of Yisrael, except for Binyamin, who committed this terrible, horrific act. This was done as a message to Kali Yisrael. The lady sent no explanation with the body parts that were sent. The Malvim points out, actually, the lady sent a full description of the events that took place. And Pasaglamid, which is the end of the parrot, whoever saw this said, such an act has never happened like this in our history. The Mephorshim explained the Malvim and the Ma'am Loes. Why did the lady do this? The lady did not cut her body to avenge her death, they point out. The lady was teaching Kali Yisrael that we are one nation with one body. We need to feel for each other. We need to love each other. However, if one part of the body is infected, it needs to be dealt with accordingly. So, the Shevet of Binyamin will need to be dealt with in order that we have unity to bring the Shrina back and the Divine Presence back into Kaiso. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. This parak discusses the civil war that ensued with Yemen in reaction to the Pelegish Begiva. In Pasuk Allison Days, by Yesu Yisrael, all of the Yisrael came out, and they got to gather together as one man. The Yatsu Kenois Kolaam, Koshif Yisrael, the Kahal Am Elokim, Arba Meos Elef Ish, Raglesh Lavcheref. The entire nation gathered together as one with all the chiefs and 400,000 foot soldiers waiting to go to battle. And Pasuk Gimel through Pasuk Zion, B'nai Yisrael then asked, what happened with Binyamin? The lady relates the horrific events that took place in the previous parak. The Dasoifrim points out the lady conveniently omits he was the one who actually had sent the woman in 12 pieces. The lady was ashamed by what he had done. The lady implores B'nai Yisrael to make a decision on how to handle Binyamin. And Pasuk Ches, 
Vayakam Kolaam Keish Echad, and the entire nation gathered together as one man. Talk about unity. Talk about Achdus. Yisrael mobilized and arranged one tenth of all of Kaiso to start to prepare the necessary provisions for war. And Pasuk Yud through Pasuk Yudayin, the nation now demands Binyamin hand over the members who committed the felony. Binyamin is non-compliant with the demand. Not only did Binyamin not hand over the men who committed the crime, but the whole Binyamin prepares for war as well. 26,000 men from Binyamin prepare for war. Included were 700 expert men with slingshots who were able to split hairs, expert marksmen, and an additional, an additional 700 men waiting for them in Giva. In Pasuk Yurches, Kleisol inquires of Hashem by asking the Urundetumen who should go to war first against Binyamin. Yehuda was answered, as the first person to go to war against Binyamin. The Ramban explains this was a mistake that caused Klayoso to lose casualties of war. Klayoso should have asked if the war against Binyamin was necessary at all, not who should go to war first, but if indeed they should go to war to begin with. In Pasuk Test through Pasuk Chavches, the civil war now, your test through Pasuk Chavches, the civil war now occurs. Yisrael now goes to war against Binyamin, and 30,000 men from Yisrael are lost in two days. Yisrael now does tshuva, fast, and pray to Hashem, and now properly re-ask the Urim Vitzumim if it's okay to go to war against their, Binyamin, against their brother Binyamin at all. Hashem gives Yisrael the go-ahead. And Pasuk test through Pasuk Mem Zayin, Yisrael now takes the lead in battle, which occurred in Giva. Initially, 25,100 men from Binyamin were lost. Yisrael staged an ambush. Binyamin was taken by surprise by the ambush when seeing the smoke rise from their city being burnt down from behind them. In Pasuk Memtes, which is the end of the parak, Yisrael virtually wiped out the entire shaded of Binyamin and destroyed their cities. Many Mephorshim explain the civil war against Binyamin was, was a necessary step in order to eradicate the bad limbs, so to speak. However, I'd like to add, we, Klayasel, need to have love for each other. We need to love every member as a part of Hashem's army, to see each other with the eyes of Tzadikim, to see the good in each individual person, to see the good in ourselves, to become one with our brothers, Ke'ish Echad, like one nation, one person. We are literally one nation, one people, one body. We need to spread good feelings, positive regard, and unity amongst ourselves, and not the opposite. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day. Sefer Shoftim, Perikhov Aleph. And this is the final parak of Sefer Shoftim, the Siyam parak. This parak continues discussing how Yisrael dealt with Binyamin, and with this we will finish Sefer Shoftim. And Pasuk Aleph, Vayish Yisrael Nishba b'mitzvah lemor. The Kla Yisrael, they swore in mitzvah, saying, Ish mimenu lo yitain biso l'binyamin l'isha. We will not give any one of our daughters to the tribe of Binyamin to marry for a wife. 
After the civil war of Binyamin, Yisrael sat humbly in Shiva over the loss of life and the almost full eradication of an entire shade of Klaisel. Yisrael knew very well and understood Klaisel is not complete without all of the twelve Shatim. Yisrael brought Korbanos to Hashem. Yisrael made a Shvua, as we just said, that no one should marry into Binyamin. In Pasuk Hay through Pasuk Yadalit, Yisrael now dealing with the aftermath of the tremendous loss of life devise a plan for the remaining men of Binyamin to get married to perpetuate the tribe of Binyamin not to be cut off forever. Klaizal recap who did not come for the initial call to battle. Yavish Gilad is narrowed down. 12,000 men from Yisrael now went to Yavish Gilad and destroyed all the married men and women, thus leaving the single woman, woman available to marry the single men of Binyamin, to allow Binyamin to perpetuate itself. The Dasoi from the Malvin Ed, even though Yisrael regretted the initial war against Binyamin, they still need to they still needed to punish the people who were Polishmen at Sibor who separated themselves from Yisrael because they knew their strength came from unity, from Achdus. They continue the Dasoi from Malvin Ed, Yavish Gilad was also located on the non-Eretz Yisrael side of the Yardin, which gave the rest of Yisrael more concern they might separate from Klai Yisrael. In Pasuk Hezvav, And the nation had Rachmanis and consoled Binyamin after what had happened. There was not enough women for, from the wives of Yavish Gilad Yisrael to marry into Binyamin. Yisrael wanted the survival of Binyamin. On the other hand, Yisrael had made a swear not to let their members marry into Binyamin. And Pasuk Yates through Pasuk Chavdalid, a yearly holiday, the Moforshim learned was, this was Tubov, was made where Binyamin would go take unmarried women dancing in the fields of Shiloh as a wife and Binyamin was permitted to marry them. The women were told to have compassion on Binyamin, given what had happened to their tribe. Binyamin repopulated. Klaiso went home, each to their respective tribe. And at the end of the parrot, the final Pasuk in Sefer Shoftim, it says, In those days there was no king of Klaiso. Each Hayashar be'en of Yasa. Every man did what was straight in their eyes. I like to point out the Navi journey. And a wonderful English Sefer on Navi explains Sefer Shotham ends with the events of Giva because they were part of the building, a necessary part of the building, of the Malchus, the kingship of Klai Yisrael. The Navi ends Sefer Shotham with the words, Ein Melech Yisrael. There was no king in Yisrael. And Sefer Shmuel begins with the words, Vayihi Ish Echad. There was one man. The beginning, of Shmuel, the, the beginning was Shmuel Hanavi, who established the Malchus, the kingship, and a king in Yisrael, first through Shaul and then through David. Shevet Binyamin seemingly was on the verge of, erat, of eradication. However, Hashem was behind the scenes preparing Shaul HaMelech, who came from Binyamin, to be the next king. Shaul HaMelech was one of the survivors of Binyamin from battle. 
again, it's fitting to raise your levels of simcha and happiness as we finish another, another Sefer of Nach. Thank you very much for listening, and have a wonderful day.